Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program. Hello, I'm DeRondel Beverly with the Gemini Group, and welcome to Sam Says. On today's episode, we sit down with Jill Hayden, president at the Medicaid Policy Network for a discussion about public policy and connecting the dots. Let me now bring in our host, the Sam and Sam Says, Samantha Oldsfry, CEO of I'm Hip. Sam, how are you today? I am great, Durandal. How are you doing? I am doing well, doing well. These are my favorite episodes where I get to just sit back even more so and watch you and a subject matter expert just have great uh, conversations about things impacting the Medicaid health space. So I'm going to bring in our special guest, uh, Jill Hayden. Jill, welcome to Sam Says. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Uh, Like I said, these are my favorite episodes. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to fade to the background, turn it over to Sam for your conversation about public policy and connecting the dots. Sam? Thank you so much, Durandal. I'm so excited, Jill, because this is something that you and I talk about all the time um, and the need for this. And we've talked about it, I think, really for years. And now you're really out there making it happen. And so that is this idea that public policy doesn't happen in a vacuum, that it doesn't sort of fit the silos that we structure, um, you know, where mental health is in one bucket, behavioral health is in another bucket, physical health somewhere else, and then there's managed care, that it's all interconnected. And so in way of background, you have worked in public policy for over 20 years and and you've seen the challenges. and, and you've brought those lessons to the forefront in sort of your role as being, you know, you're a consultant now with I'm Hip. Why, what was most sort of exciting for you about the leaving sort of your traditional employment and entering that consultant space um, and trying to fit these public policy pieces back together? Yeah, I think it's because, you know, in whatever role you're in, you're loyal to whoever your employer is, right? And so I was always wearing the hat of whoever I was representing, whether, you know, it was um, in the legislature or in the governor's office or with the Provider Trade Association or then with a health plan. Um, You know, you're sort of limited in, in, you know, what your position is on certain things. Um, And so, you know, going out and doing consulting allowed me to take those hats off and really um, try to, like you said, connect the dots between all of the stakeholders in the Medicaid space. Um, you know, from from the MCO perspective, being responsible for this sort of global view of healthcare for an individual through care coordination and ensuring that they have access to all the services they need, you know, they're responsible for the entire program, basically, and understanding the entire program. But, you know, provider trade associations or advocates or whomever, they're still wearing their hats for whatever population they're representing or program or provider type. Um, And so I wanted really to give everybody this global perspective of how they fit into this system, that you are one piece of it, um, but this is sort of what your patient or your member or, 
you know, whatever group you're representing, how, you know, they sort of go through the program overall and sort of what the plans are seeing. And so, you know, recognizing that everyone has their own language, like they talk to each other, but perhaps the language that they're using isn't being interpreted in a meaningful way from the other party. Um, it gave me an opportunity to do some of that interpretation for everybody and bring the parties together and say, this is a new policy. This is how they're seeing it. This is how they're seeing it. Let's, let's meet in the middle and talk about, you know, what it means for, you know, the patient or the individual and, and how we can work together to make this sort of work for everyone. So that was the idea. It was very exciting. I think we've done some good work. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm really enjoying it. So I appreciate the question. It, it's very exciting. And I think it's been so necessary. Like I've definitely seen since you've sort of started this work and and you've brought these parties together to just talk to one another or to sort of see the same challenge, but we all are using different words or perhaps we're all sort of potentially thinking that the other side wants this, you know, like we're sort of bending over backwards to make something, um, work because we think, oh, this is what the providers want. And the providers are trying to bend over backwards to make something work because they think that's what the MCOs want. When in fact, like it's a challenge that maybe we could collectively advocate um, to uh, to address. Um, and you've sort of been able to bring us all together to have those conversations in a more meaningful fashion than we've had in the past um, and sort of translate for us. I find that all the time um, I, in my role, I'm so lucky I get to deal with folks at all different levels of the health plans. So I'll deal with like our, our chief medical officers, our CEOs, our CFOs, um, and then our operations folks. And they all may be talking about the same program. And this is within one organization. And they all use different languages because their background is so different. Their training is so different when they talk to one another or their team members, they focus on different things. And so I see the need that for me to translate even within the same organization or the same industry, but when, but you need to translate across both sort of skill sets and skill types, but then also different industries, different regulators, different, you know, history coming in. Um, so that's got, has, it's such, it's so needed, but I imagine um, sort of beginning those conversations, uh, there was a challenge. Yes. I think it was a challenge making people even understand the need for it in the beginning um, because it did require, especially trade associations, it does require them to sort of shift their, their perspective or their business model just a little bit because, you know, they're so used to just, you know, lobbying for things or going to the state or going to the legislator to sort of fix whatever issue that they're having. And this required them to one, work with the plans, but also to um, understand implementation of policies and programs in a way through, through the managed care lens, where I think they've always viewed it more through the fee-for-service lens. And not that that's bad or anything. It just it just sort of required that that little bit of of shift in how their business model works. And so getting them to see that I think was a challenge in the beginning. But hopefully, um, you know, the rewards are paying off. And I I think it feels like we're we're being more successful in those conversations and also relying on each other for each other's expertise. You know, I think if we had had that coming in 
to managed care in Illinois in the beginning with the plan sort of relying on the trade associations in terms of the expertise and the historical knowledge about, you know, the rules and the regulations and the fee schedules and the modifiers and why something is the way that it is in Illinois, instead of having to guess a lot of that information, because, you know, you also have the same problem in HFS, where you have staff who are responsible for certain programs and certain silos. And so, you know, it was like a huge puzzle to try to figure out in the beginning. And I think if we'd relied on that expertise of some of these organizations in the beginning, um, that certainly would have helped acclimate um, these, you know, insurance companies coming from other states into the state of Illinois, understanding what was specific about Illinois and how to implement that effectively. And I feel like we're finally getting to that point. And and vice versa, I think the providers are finally understanding all the things that the MCOs have to do, you know, every time there's a new policy or program or fee schedule, all of that has to be first absorbed, understood, and then programmed into their systems to make sure that they're paying claims correctly. And, you know, they're meeting all the requirements of this new policy program that the state is implementing. And so by merging those things, interpreting them, translating them, um, I think we've come to a better place of understanding each other in terms of what the other side can offer to the other, if that makes sense. <laughs> it, it absolutely does. And, and I think what we've done over the course um, of the past year and two, I mean, actually past few years, is really stopped talking at one another and started yep. talking to one another and saying, these are the challenges we're having. Um, you know, and, and I've owned it like, as a, you know, as a, as a trade association lead, you know, really just saying we, this is the guidance we have. And, you know, this is what we found and, you know, this is what it says to do, but here are the challenges with implementing it. Um, or we don't have enough detail. Here's what we don't understand. And really bringing that to the two, like you said, those, those other trade associations, um, and, breaking down the assumption um, from the provider side, I think that the plans are doing it on purpose. That they're doing it so they don't mm -hmm. pay providers and then breaking it down um, from the provider side to just sort of understand that there are challenges and perhaps the way they've advocated for public policy has these operational challenges that are just going to cause more frustration. And that if you have that collaborative conversation on the front end, we can find solutions. But if you don't have that conversation, something's going to be implemented in a really rocky way when it doesn't have to be, when we don't want it to be, um, you know, explaining over and over again to, to providers, like retroactivity is really hard for us. Like we're never, ever going to do it well. So if you rush implementation and we end up having to implement something retroactively and going back and adjusting it, it's going to feel really painful to the provider and to the health plan. And that's not good for anybody. Um, and just getting on that same page, it's taken a while, but it's, it's a really good place to be. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, I think another good example of that, which I'm not taking credit for, but <laughs> are the, the Monday meetings between the, the MCOs, HFS, and the, the provider trade associations, because those meetings are a good example of the vocabulary and the language that the MCOs use in terms of paying claims and all the things you have to get right in order for that claim to get through the system to then be approved by HFS on the back end. And once you get everyone in the room together or on the Zoom together, 
um, to, to use that same vocabulary and talk about those things. Everyone gets a better understanding of what it is they're talking about in order to, to achieve that, that outcome of making sure that providers are getting paid and getting paid appropriately. And it takes all three parties to make that happen. And by doing that, you're giving the provider trade associations the vocabulary, the language, the authority to go back to their members and have those conversations to say, this is why this is important. This is why you have to do this. It's not because the MCOs want to deny your claim. It's because it has to get through the system all the way through to HFS so that HFS can then draw down that federal match on it in the long run. And so I, I do think it, that has given them such an insight into what that whole process is and why it is the way that it is and given them the power to talk about it, um, you know, intelligently with their members. Um, so that, that's a great example, I think. Absolutely. It's sharing our why. Why do we care about this? Why does this modifier matter? Why does this, you know, this box need to be filled out a certain way? And it's so funny because I've had conversations with legislators where they'll say, just let them bill with, you know, why does it matter if it's a nine digit number or a 12 digit number? Um, you know, if they add extra letters at the beginning and it, it, it sounds so simple and it sounds so red tapey, like such an insurance company just trying to get you exactly, you know, um, but that's just not reality. It's, oh, well, we can't, we can't adjust your claim. Like we can't change how you've submitted the claim. And if you submit the claim with the wrong, you know, digits in this particular box, HFS rejects it. And so yeah. the state can't get federal match um, or it jeopardizes federal match because you have to have such a high percentage of claims making it through to the system for HFS. And then, you know, the health plan gets dinged, quality measurement doesn't look right. Like it, it's all, it's, it's a snowball. And so we right. just need you to put the right number of digits in this box so that we can measure quality, so that we can measure the cost of healthcare. Um, and so that the state can then, by the way, accurately report for, if, if we're talking about a behavioral health provider, for block grants that they're getting from a different agency. So it's going to right. impact your funding on a different side too. Um, and so just being able to use that same language to explain one another's why, like, why does this matter? Why is this important? Why are we trying to do it this way has been so important. And I, I think it just starts with communication and just an acknowledgement that we're all here to serve the Medicaid member. Like that's our end goal and how we get there is going to, is going to be through partnership because if an MCO is trying to help that member and a provider is trying to help that member and the state's trying to help that member and they're not talking to one another, there's duplication. There are cracks that people are going to fall through and there's frustration. And so I think you've done such a good job of opening up those channels of communication. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it also puts a human face on it too. Like, right. Like we're all, we're all human. We're all trying to do our best to make this program successful. And, um, you know, I think those meetings have, have helped that out too. And, you know, to your point about why do you have to put, you know, this number in this box? I mean, you did that under free for service. You just had years and years and years of experience as an expertise into how to submit that claim and get it paid correctly. And now Finally, we're getting years and years of experience in the MCO program to get that expertise 
to advise your members on, you know, what that looks like and how to get a claim paid. So we're definitely getting there. Um, and yeah, to your point, I think communication is, is the biggest piece of this. And um, it, it feels like we're really starting to make some progress. Okay. Hopefully I'm think, a small part of that. Well, I think you are. And, and from what I've been hearing so far, I, I think you are a, a part of that. And, and again, these are my favorite conversations just to sit back and just, you know, even more so be a fly on the wall and, and, and watch Sam and, and find folks like yourself uh, do, do, do your thing and, and, and share some great information. Uh, Jill, we, we definitely appreciate uh, you being here uh, on Sam Says and appreciate the conversation that you have with Sam. Hopefully uh, you won't mind coming back in the future and joining us for a future episode, if, if that would be all right. I would love it. Thank you. Fantastic. Sam, before we close out, great conversation with you and Jill. Anything in particular, uh, you guys could have talked for, you know, easily another 30, 45 minutes. Um, anything in particular that um, is going to stick with you or that you're, you're thinking about that came out of your conversation? Absolutely. I think at the end, I just want to put a, a finer point on that, that at the end of the day, we're all just people trying to help other people. And that's true if we're talking about claims payment or if we're talking about care coordination, that all of us within the Medicaid managed care space, within the healthcare industry, we're people trying to help other people. And I think the more we focus on that, um, the better our outcomes will be. Great, 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 great. Again, special thanks to Jill Hayden for joining us on this episode of Sam Says. Uh, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, I encourage you to visit the I'm Hip website at imhip.net. That's I-A-M-H-P.net to learn more about what I'm Hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one. I also encourage you to like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And if you're interested in becoming a trusted partner of the association, again, I encourage you to visit the website at imhip.net to learn more. On behalf of Sam and the team at I'm Hip, I'm DeRondel Beverly with the Gemini Group. Thank you again for tuning in to an episode, for this episode rather, of Sam Says. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon.